0: Eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com slash the scoop now. This episode is brought to you by IWC. IWC Schaffhausen is a Swiss luxury watch manufacturer based in Schaffhausen, Switzerland. Known for its unique engineering approach to watchmaking, IWC combines the best of human craftsmanship and creativity with cutting-edge technology and processes. Discover the full collection at iwc.com or download the IWC app to experience a virtual try-on now. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the Blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block. And today, joining us on the other side of the mics are my guests, Ronil Rumberg, co-founder and CEO of Audius and Grammy award-winning DJ and advisor at Audius, Mr. RAC. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate the energy that I'm already getting from you folks <laughs> So I'm sure that it's going to be a great and interesting show. I'll give a little bit about Audius and then, Reneal, maybe you can amplify it or correct me because I'm, I'm sure I'll get something wrong. But, Ronil, you were a former software engineer. You co-founded a payments company called uh, Backslash. Of course, RAC, Grammy-winning DJ. You've got some hits. You've done some remixes, I think, with uh, the likes of Katy Perry, you 2 and Lana Del Rey, And now you're on The Scoop. I mean, that's another (laughs) feather in your cap. So when we think about Audius, I mean, I'm thinking the intersection of of music and Web3. Is that about right?
1: That is is exactly right. We're a music community and discovery platform that puts the artist in control. That's our reason for existence.
0: You know, what's funny is I was watching a Twitter video from the head of Instagram at Meta. And it's funny, they use this same sort of language that I hear from Web3 founders, which is we want to empower creators. Of course, Instagram, you know, it doesn't really stand up. And I'm sure if you were to talk to any of these Web2 platforms, Spotify and the rest, you know, they're going to say the same type of thing, I guess, in a word or in a few sentences from both of you like, how do you think something like Audius and then Web3 broadly actually does what these companies say they're trying to do?
1: I can uh, start with Audius. And I, I think Andre is far more well positioned than, you know, pretty much anyone else in the space to speak to Web3 broadly and, you know, his his work in, in the area. But but yeah, for Audius specifically, we feel the the only way to kind of truly build an audience that you have control of, that you have complete access to, et cetera, is by making the platform itself through which artists and, and those fans are connecting fully decentralized, right? So in Audius, all of the content, all of the metadata, uh, all of the um, clients for accessing that are decentralized. They're owned, operated, controlled by the community, um, which means that our Our company could go away tomorrow and all of this would keep working, keep working the same way that it always has been and and always will be. But from the artist's perspective, there's no lock in here, right? You can take your following and your data that you have here and use it anywhere else that you want to without having to get our permission or, or anything else. So that's really what we mean when we say kind of puts the artist in control or kind of gives gives power back to the creator. Um, there shouldn't be this kind of sense of platform lock-in that, that we have today on Spotify or, or places like that, where as a creator, you don't really know who your fans are and you don't have the ability to to kind of port that fan base between experiences.
0: Yeah. So, Andre, what, how does that speak to the the main problem of Web2 streaming?
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks thanks for having me. Um, I, I think it's important to recognize that there's been a trend since really like 2005 in the MySpace era and all of that. There's been a trend towards, you know, sort of sovereignty of an artist, of of putting the artist at top. I think we've realized that the practices of the, of the 90s and especially like pre-Napster era music industry, you know, was not sustainable in the Internet age. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, th- I think there's been like a real strong sort of trend starting before Web3 was even, you know, before any of this was around. So, you know, I actually think like Napster in a way was sort of the beginning of all that and, you know, sort of the unbundling of the music industry. So, you know, let's say from 2005, the MySpace era, you start to control your own platforms, you know, in a sense, you control your profiles you know, the sort of physical equivalent of that would have been like, you know, the storefront or something like that. So now you're, you're controlling that. You're selecting what songs are, are heard by people. You can have MySpace friends or whatever. And uh, the early projects, you know, like MySpace and SoundCloud and Facebook, a lot of those were kind of uh, more specifically SoundCloud was solving the problem of audio hosting. So <laughs> it's like kind of funny to think about now because it's so, such a non-issue anymore, you know, but at the time, you know, being able to host like MP3 files or even Wave files was sort of unheard of. You had to, you know, pay for hosting. It was like a whole thing. So, you know, we saw a trend with SoundCloud and that was maybe the first iteration of that. And that was a wave that I, I got to ride from two thousand seven of like putting the artists in control of, you know, your output. And, you know, we later saw so many artists sort of break out from from SoundCloud and, you know, get record deals because they were first discovered on SoundCloud. So it was an interesting time you know to be in music and and be an artist where really our reliance on labels has sort of been diminishing over and over and so, so it's becoming less of a, a necessity to make it in the music industry where you can really just kind of do your own thing and i i think i'm maybe the first generation that got that even had that opportunity you know i've been doing this for close to 15 years now which is kind of crazy so it's uh I've sort of gotten to ride that wave, and I I do feel like you know we've we've learned a lot in that process. And you know when when you hear Spotify or Meta or or anybody sort of claim that they're artists first or they're putting the artists in, I mean it, on some level they're they're that is what they're trying to do. But you know I, I think for those of us that are sort of really involved in on a deep level, that's not enough. And, and I think that's sort of where Web three comes in, where it's like okay the artists should really, really be in control of these platforms still to this day, even though they they make some of the tools that make it easy to be accessed and and discovered, the the actual like behind the scenes data and the uh, level of sort of granularity of the of like accessing your audience and all of that is very much gate kept in the current sort of model or like the Mm web two model. So being able to access all that all that information and being able to like sort of create that direct connection on a financial level too, which is also like kind of important because like on social media today, I think you could argue that they enable you to interact with your audience in, in a meaningful way, Yeah. but, but you don't own that. And, you know, once that platform changes their algorithm or whatever, they decide to do that month, you know, which happens a lot. I've, I, anybody that makes, you know, any kind of content for Instagram knows how, how like crazy it is right now.
0: That's yeah, this, and this yeah. is what he was addressing in that video, right? Just, a lot of the changes they made to the feed, trying to get you know reels on your feed more frequently. Exactly. And what he was saying is we're doing that because it's going to help with discoverability for, for new artists, upstart artists, which to your point, which is, I think what you're making is to some extent that's true, but.
2: Right. But you don't own that. That You don't own it. Yeah. Uh, in, in fact, the, they are monetizing your audience or my audience, you know, and if, to to make it personal like you know i've i've built audiences on multiple different platforms over the years like it's a lot of work you know you spend a lot of time but just for context like my my biggest following still to this day is on soundcloud a platform that really not many people use anymore so i have this massive audience like locked into this platform that i can't move anywhere else and you know i I think it's like normal to kind of lose people along the way but uh you know, I, I don't own that connection in any, in any way. So, you know, I, I think like if, if we're really taking a step back at like what the web three thing is trying to solve it is really sort of establishing that direct connection with the fan. And that to me is like new, that's net new, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Do you want to speak to that Renil? Like this connection, that's the thing that everyone talks about is there's a more intimate connection. You can understand the audience more deeply, you have control over your data, and to an extent, the data that represents your audience. So they're kind of interconnected there. What other aspects are there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, kind of the downstream effect of all of those things that you mentioned is that you can better monetize these uh, followers, if you understand them, can target them effectively, and can provide them products and experiences in a targeted manner that they can't get elsewhere an example i i often mention on this front is like spotify will only allow a creator to message their fans on a a very infrequent basis i think it's like once a year they actually exercise some editorial control over what you can say so usually people will use this to announce like oh i'm releasing new album right but you know imagine if you could for example say hey i'm i'm playing a show in cleveland next week why don't i shoot a message out to all of my fans who've listened to my music from ip addresses that are based in the ohio area and then maybe mm-hmm. they could buy a ticket and come to the show right you can do that with the data that that you get through channels like audius right because you have that direct connection with the fan, and I, I think putting it in concrete terms like that, it, it kind of makes clear, you know, just how different things are in the music industry with respect to how much data people are accustomed to getting. Like in in tech land, right, you would put a Google Analytics tag on your website and know like absolutely everything about what times of day your users might uh, be using the bathroom because you see their their usage drop off, but in music, you really have no clue. You have, you have absolutely no sense of you know who these people are or, or anything about them.
0: So, what does this mean for artists who kind of get on board with Audius? Are they putting the the record label behind them forever? Is there room for sort of cooperation, I think is the word I'm going to make up. You know, cooperating with with the competitors. How does that dynamic work?
2: There's a lot of different models you can approach. Um, I personally, at this point in my career, I'm fully independent, so I control mm-hmm. everything. So that's an easy choice for me to, to upload there. You know, I, I'd say that most people are definitely like okay with it. I mean, it's like you know, if you're assigned to a label and it's a rigid kind of thing, you know, I think a lot of people still see it as sort of a segment of the market that's a, a, a little bit different and and unique. And I, I think there's a lot of space for collaboration and and for working together. I, I don't see it as this like a lot of the times th- this kind of thing is painted as us versus them. And that's not necessarily true. I, I think it-, it can all be a part of like a successful strategy to reach a lot of people. But the difference is that, you know, something like this I think is a lot more rewarding to the artist. So it- it's uh you know, I-, I-, I think like naturally people will gravitate towards something that you have more control over and, and, you know, is it- just a better experience.
0: Mm-hmm. So what are the tools that you have at your disposal? Like, is it a, do you go into a dashboard and you like what can you see? What what can you visualize and then act upon?
1: Yeah, so it's a very very simple product to use, right? There there are now uh, nearly seven million people using the network every every month, and I think that's just because it's not you don't need to be super crypto native and all of this to to be able to uh engage here and get value uh as as a creator or as a fan but yeah from the creator's perspective that user journey is uh you know you go sign up for an account you can Mm -hmm. drag content in and upload it put it on on your uh your profile and and share it out you know both both within audius to the Mm -hmm. feeds of of content that people subscribe to to playlists and whatnot but also to uh to your following elsewhere and then as folks follow you and engage with that content There's an internal dashboard you get with all all kinds of ways to slice and dice and and look at that data in real time as it's it's being generated. But the raw data is also there. So there are uh, kind of the larger artist teams and and things of that nature. If they they want access to the raw feed of of what's happening, it's it's possible to pull that as well.
2: So one thing I wanted to mention is like, a little bit is is like sort of what, what there is currently. You know, but a lot of it is sort of like building the right sort of infrastructure for something in the future. So it, it's sort of like also creating an open network, you know, that can be built upon. You know, uh, I think everybody here is probably a fan of open source software. You know, you, you see what it can do when, when a large group of people decide to focus on, on one platform. And we don't really have that in Web2 lands, you know, because it's all siloed data you know, they limit what you can do with it. And, and I understand why they do that because that's their moat, you know, that's what keeps them in business. But this model sort of changes that and where, you know, where maybe there's not like a crazy amount of like actionable data like today, but sort of, uh, I feel like it's like the right, infrastructure to build upon that you can expand on that nobody controls, you know, sort of all all the benefits of of decentralization that we talk about a lot in sort of the broader crypto ecosystem, but sort of in this case applied to music, you know, even just like analytics, you know.
1: Yeah, there, there's kind of a well-trodden path of uh, platform scaling by offering a really rich API and then like rug pulling it away once they're at at scale, right? Uh, yeah, or that. charging for Twitter it or something. That. Yep, exactly. And uh, yeah, in the case of Audius or, or any other Web3 native ecosystem, like there is no special API that our client has that's different from anyone else's client. they are actually like community-operated clients that offer more features on on Audius than the the native like first-party client does because it's a level playing field. Anyone can build whatever interface they they want to on on top of it, and we can't change those rules around the API. Uh, the community could, but like yeah. I, I couldn't just sit in a room and say, hey, like you know we're just going to take away the ability to stream music in, in third-party experiences. It's not possible for, for me to do that.
0: Yeah. Like if you wanted to pull like a Spotify and kick Taylor Swift off, you'd need the entire like governance community to agree and get on board with that. Yeah. Effectively. That's the network side. So there's kind of like these two elements that contribute to the value proposition, the, the openness of the data as well as sort of the ownership that exists among the community to sort of drive decision-making. Can I digress on something that I think is interesting, which is uh, something that I think Web3 or not has been developing, which is just the extent to which artists and musicians personally, or at least their posse, are leveraging data rather than the companies that sort of operate in the music industry. And it kind of reminds me of... You know, on Wall Street, which is where I I sit, you know, trading market structure, you know, there was a transition in the 80s where you had the traders and you had the data guys, and never the twain shall meet. It wasn't allowed, right? And, you know, over the course of like the 90s, you had these quants developed that were basically like math geeks who also traded. And so the traders weren't just, you know, going off their gut and thinking, you know, who knows what's going to come out of the FOMC or this macro thing, I'm going to put on this trade you know maybe you have some you know maths involved but it wasn't very quantitatively driven and now obviously literally you you have to be like an MIT computer scientist to like be a rights trader in 2022 and i wonder if that's going to happen to music to some extent you know can you not just think, oh, you know, I'm going to play at this bar. You're going to be looking at the data to see, okay, no, I need to be in Cleveland because that's who's interested in Rastafarian jazz or something.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, the new genre.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you can get started on that. Andre. <laughs>
2: no, I, I, I mean, yeah. Like I I feel like the unlocking of that information, you know, and in, in, in some way will will sort of professionalize this industry because like, this is something that Renil and I talk about a lot where the the music industry, there's still elements of it that are still on pen and paper. You know, there's like, there's so much inefficiency. Like the, I feel like a lot of industries have really professionalized and, and to be fair, there are sides of the music industry that really have, but this is a, there's a lot that is still stuck in the nineties. And in a lot of that hasn't developed because there is no sort of, shared infrastructure there's no mm-hmm. you know commonality it's all behind paywalls or like you know opaque api so you know now that that is like becoming more open i mean there's really all this opportunity for for you know this other layer you could think of it as an application layer or like it's a layer that a team can sort of tap into and there's various tools that you can kind of play with but you know none of it's really like that because it's also patchwork you know pulling from all these different areas so i I sort of share that sentiment i I think it's like this is really going to change and and you know we're we're talking about just shows you know shows is one side of it that's like yeah but like you know if you if you think about it as digital marketing like any other product i mean you know you can get really serious about it so uh i don't know i I, it's exciting you know and the way that I, i sort of think about like a lot of the web3 stuff and nfts and metaverses and all the buzzwords but like it's just another outlet you know it's it's a way to sort of develop your brand and and develop you know what you do and that's sort of the nature of being an artist it's constantly in flux and you know you're kind of adapting to it and and you know figuring it out as you go yeah um,
1: i love that point though you know, when you when you talk to up and coming artists today and like understand, you know, how they're thinking about breaking their projects and, and things like that, breaking by that, I, I just mean, you know, getting those first initial fans and, and finding a following. They think about it like growth hackers. The, yeah. Like and, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking in that way on tech products. Right. And it's the same mindset. It's like, uh, where, where's the unexplored opportunity? Where's the kind of cheap customer acquisition channels that I can tap yeah. into or I can access?
2: It's cool. It's
0: really yeah. cool. Yeah.
2: There's another layer of this that I, I wanted to mention is that, and I think this is something that's happening naturally with Web3, is that uh, that focus on the, the maximum amount of people is is going away. Because now I think people are realizing that you can actually create more of a niche audience
0: Yeah. And and just extract, you're, you're like creating more value from a smaller set of people.
2: Mm -hmm. So like, you know, your work is more valuable to that niche group of people than Drake is to the masses, you know? I feel like we always use Drake as like the bad example or whatever. It was like the evil, he's like, he's just like, we got to get Drake like,
0: on the show to respond. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's just like an artist, just like anybody else. He's playing the game, just like everybody else. Like I, I, I don't mean to single him out specifically. Uh, he, he's just like, he's a very mass market uh, artist and that's fine, whatever. But like, you know, I personally don't like making music that is that mainstream. It's, it's not appealing to me. It's not what I get up in the morning to do. I prefer to make something that's a little bit more niche, a little bit more uh, complex and whatever, you know, it's, it's like, at the end of the day, you got to like what you do. Right. So like I, I found this sweet spot, I think, where it's like, I'm, I still have a pretty sizable audience, but it's not, you know, I'm, tr- I'm just trying to compete with Katy Perry, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I, I can't compete with Katy Perry. So I she was rather in the just, Bahamas.
0: Like, Did you get her down there? Is that the connection? Uh, so
1: she, she is invested in Audius, but uh, she's it. also involved with the uh, FTX ecosystem, I, I of think. Of course.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, I think so, too. I did not see her at the party, though. I uh, I called it a night really early because I thought I was going to make that trip a healthy Frank trip where I didn't stay out <laughs> too late, where I didn't drink heavily, where I ate well, ran on the beach, which was nice, but it also meant I missed I miss Katy Perry. And um, anyway, I haven't even gotten to my list of questions yet. There's some hard ones. So just keep your, keep your socks on. <laughs> Are you eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chain Analysis is here to help. Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Gain unparalleled visibility and maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com slash the scoop now. This episode is brought to you by IWC. IWC Schaffhausen is known for continually innovating within the world of Swiss watchmaking. A pioneer in the use of titanium and ceramics, IWC today specializes in highly engineered watch cases manufactured from advanced materials such as colored ceramics, serotinium, and titanium aluminide. This year's collection includes colored ceramic pieces in Lake Tahoe white, and Woodland green Discover the new collection at IWC.com or download the IWC app to experience a virtual try on now. One thing that I always wonder, which is okay. All this stuff sounds great, right? It's good for the creators. It's good for the users I'm looking at. I mean, the app is nice. Like it's aesthetically pleasing, looks like a pretty good UI how important though is the token for incentives like andre if token went to zero what does that mean for the sort of value of using it as a creator do you do you effectively wait for it to not go to zero <laughs> do you do you do you find a platform where the token is is higher than zero and the reason why i think about this just to give an example from my own life is Honestly, like, my use of In, which is, like, a run-to-earn type app,
2: mm-hmm.
0: has severely decreased since the token, you know, went away. Like, am I going to, like, go through the trouble of opening it up when I'm walking to get a bagel when I'm <laughs> earning nothing for it? I damn sure as hell did it when it was giving me, like, 50 bucks to go get a bagel and, like, pay for my coffee and bagel. So maybe it has less to do with the artist than it does for the actual users. Do you think that once there's not that incentive to use and effectively like make some money you know not not a lot but does that diminish sort of maybe the degree to which people are sticky to the product itself
2: i mean i'll sort of maybe talk about the broader side of it cuz i don't know about the specifics but like basically like i feel like this is sort of true with crypto in general is like it's cyclical <laughs> sense of like mm-hmm price bad users go away price good people come back like th- yeah, that's yeah. that's seems to be a trend in general and i, I don't think uh, i i would sit here and say the audio isn't it can't succumb to the same sort of pressure one way or another but what i will say is like again going back to sort of systems design like what what is what are we actually doing i yeah. feel like it's still built with the right idea you know it's still the right base layer you know um how people use it i mean at the end of the day is kind of like up to each person i, yeah. I you can't control that I, I will say like going beyond just the the analytics and like all, all the stuff we were just talking about like you know the the idea of like somebody promoting pushing more of audience to sort of get more audio tokens you know i think that that will always sort of be relevant and be there Yeah, it just it it doesn't seem like it it seems like it's a sticky thing, but also something that's kind of in the background to let people use it. You know,
0: I think I think you put it I think you put it very succinctly. Uh, They say brevity is the soul of wit and (laughs) token bad uh, use up or the other way around. Anyway,
1: (laughs) in our case, actually, though, for for what it's worth, our usage has not really been impacted over the last six months. We've actually grown a little bit in in that time. Uh, We're growing at a slower rate to be fair, but- uh...
0: Yes. So, well, that raises a good question. To Andre's point, how do you combat the cyclical nature of crypto? There's no cyclical nature of music, really. People always, I mean, the number of people who like music is kind of up and to the right right uh, it's, that's never going to really it's go down universality
1: of music right yeah. As more people grows more, listeners. more people <laughs> yeah more people to listen to stuff and engage uh but actually the the economics of music are pretty cyclical over long time periods interestingly enough it's typically the the rises and falls correlate with the introductions of new forms of media oh sure so if you go all the way back to you know like Eight tracks and cassette tapes and and LP records. Each of those transitions, actually, to some extent, like was was paired with the rise of a new genre of of music that started to reach some some level of distribution around them. But but yeah, I think uh, the cyclic nature of of crypto definitely affects kind of financial products a lot more than a product like Audius because the usage of Audius is not. People aren't using it to, uh, you know, trade things or, or do behaviors that are kind of market correlated. Like people still want to listen to music, right? Even if uh, <laughs> they probably the want to listen to
0: music cool. more because the market's down. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Maybe the genres of music they listen to shift towards the the moodier
0: and, and the more, uh, yeah. uh,
2: you know, that would actually be interesting to sort of look at. Yeah, you know, right. Bear, bear market mood, mood music. Uh.
0: Bear market tracks.
1: <laughs> the lofi hip hop uh, channels just <laughs> ascending at, at high at a high pace right now. But
2: there, there's one thing I wanted to mention real quick is that uh, you know, Audius. I think for the average user, I would bet that there's a lot of people that go on Audius and don't even realize it's crypto related. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I think like Audius has done actually a great job of sort of, you know, it's it's present, it's there if you want it but it's not like it's not so in your face like a lot of other platforms and, and that was actually something that was uh i mean you guys started in tw- what 2018 like the middle of like like there was nothing else like this and, and even just like a any kind of application layer stuff was not nearly as developed as this so it's like it's pretty cool to see it you know now where it's maybe a little bit more the norm but like you know seeing a platform that uses crypto but it's not you know in your face about it it's like trade token money you know like (laughs) it's uh it's more just like hey you want to listen to music
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's where we had to find uh our initial users and like i mean andre when you started using audius there were no tokens there was Mm -hmm. no incentive layer yeah like you were on audius for over a year and so were hundreds of thousands of other people at that time with no token right um Mm -hmm. Uh, the token's only about eighteen months old or sixteen months old
0: now. So, um, yeah. Is it your baby? You're you're uh, you're referring to it in months, like a <laughs> yeah a mother mother. Of it a child. is. It is. Okay, fair enough. So yeah, underpinning like the the premise of the question is the fact of the matter that crypto just makes things a little bit different. There's these new dynamics. There's uh, cyclical, you know, price dynamics that may have an impact, although you're saying not as big of an impact as people might expect. There's also, of course, the, the sort of technical uh, aspect of it, right? You know, you don't have to worry about an exploit when it comes to something like Spotify. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how would you kind of um, speak to that, you know, thorny question? That there's this there's this technical challenge, not for the user necessarily in terms of engaging with the product, but more broadly to the ecosystem, if you will.
1: Yeah, so particularly relevant question, uh, uh, given the timing we're recording this. So so the Audius network did suffer a, uh, a hack about two weeks ago that led to. The community's treasury funds, which there's this Audius DAO that that votes to allocate grant money. Uh, those those funds were were stolen as part of the hack, and it was super unfortunate for a lot of reasons, right? Frank, to what you just mentioned, it's definitely a setback from you know just just the way that people think about these sorts of things, right? Because you are creating risk in other areas by removing control. Right, it's not a free lunch. But uh, you know, I, I think in this case, the the fortunate thing for the network was uh, that user funds were not impacted. The folks who have already received grants and and have been building with them, et cetera, were also not impacted. And uh, this treasury was actually scheduled to uh, to grow by a significant amount in the near future. And had that already had happened when this hack happened it, it could have been far worse as well so uh you know super unfortunate of course but uh a lot to be thankful for as as well in terms of the timing and, and how it happened and whatnot like it, it just it could have been uh could have been much worse but uh it, it was a wake-up call to to what you're saying that you know this this isn't a free lunch it's not categorically better in all ways right in some aspects it's you know, it is nice to be able to hold a, a company responsible for things that happen, right? Like if you don't get paid out in the correct manner or something because of some smart contract bug or, or something else, right? Uh, whereas if Spotify, you have that problem, you like go get mad at, at Spotify. So I think the trade-off there is worthwhile for what you get in in return and and for the benefits that that we talked about, but. From an end user perspective, yeah, there there is this perception we combat in our community of you know, crypto being scary, crypto being hard to use, all of all of these sorts of things. All of these are reasons why the product has has gone so far out of its way to kind of be welcoming and, and to be really easy to use without knowing anything about crypto. But uh, in order to get the benefits that decentralization provides, uh, you know, you, you can't kind of paper over all of these things in the same way that you can, like user experience issues, for example.
0: Well, I just want to send a message out to the hacker. Uh, I have acquired Over a very long time, a very special set of skills. (laughs) These are skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. You give the money back; that'll be the end of it.
1: Yeah, fuck, fuck whoever that is. That's that's (laughs) the real (laughs) takeaway. So,
0: (laughs) so what was the response? Was there any? You know, are you sort of working with authorities to track down these funds, or what? What happens next? Yeah.
1: So, you know, as soon as our team found out about the initial exploit, about 15, 20 minutes later, we all convened on a uh, video call and started working through what happened with the help of uh, Sam CZ Sun, head of security at Paradigm as well. We were able to get a patch live that used the same exploit to close the exploit to, to others about two hours later. Um, so that was the end of the active incident, I guess. It was done in, in two hours, but um, you know the the damage to that treasury was was already already done by that point, right? So, so to your point, we are uh, cooperating with uh, with folks to try to you know figure out who this is, hold them responsible. It's uh, you know an ongoing thing. If history is any guide, unfortunately, the the likelihood of finding this person is is low, but uh, that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Right and yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, we're you know trying trying uh, as as hard as we can. It was a uh, sophisticated individual or you know group or whomever, right? But yeah, you, you know the, what was plot
0: twist? It, it was Andre. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> how do you think I bought all these synths? You know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they're not rigs. Um, how how did you? What was your crypto journey? You mentioned you did do some ETH. Mining back in the day. How did you get into this space?
2: Yeah, um, so I've always been into computers. I think it goes hand in hand with you know um, music production. You know, you're always around equipment and gear and stuff like that. That's all. I've went, always you been You have into to it. have
0: backups for everything. Right?
2: Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I, uh, I, I have a little bit of like a computer science background, like a couple courses, and so I, I've always been interested in programming. Well, that's not really my thing. And I, I've always been like sort of a Linux user and, you know, I have like, I have always followed open source software. So uh, but I kind of ignored Bitcoin for most like for a while. I, I didn't like I didn't get it. I also wasn't really like financially oriented in that way. Like I, I wasn't super into the financial markets or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when Bitcoin came around, I, I like it was really only until like late 2016 where I was like, OK, I got to check this out. And then, then I, it, it sort of clicked with me. It's like, oh, this is actually a really interesting sort of technology. You know, they solved actually a really interesting problem, you know, because I had sort of seen, you know, uh, BitTorrent specifically. I, I compare the two because I think they're kind of in the same vein where BitTorrent was, was the demise of the... the the piracy wars, you know, mm-hmm. where it was like, oh, okay, this is actually unstoppable. Like they literally can't win. So I, I felt like sort of applying that same idea of decentralization to a currency. And uh, that was interesting, but it wasn't really until like Ethereum where I, I think I watched like a video of Talek Beter and talking about, you know, a mm-hmm. Devcon one or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, making that general purpose. That's really interesting. And that's sort of when the light bulb moment for me was like, okay, like, we can solve this. We can solve the music industry. Get the, you know, it's like very naively thinking we could solve all the world's problems and that this would work perfectly and at scale and at speed. And the, you know, the uh, L1s were going to be you know the <laughs> the base layer of everything. And you know, I quickly realized also the UIs weren't there, and the, this is so early. You know, um, it was like around 2017, like where I experimented with releasing like uh, some music through Ethereum, and I think I think we have the first album on ethereum we can say that i think we can claim that uh where we developed like a little smart contract with the with the, a team at consensus which no longer exists called udro music uh for the ogs and uh yeah we we sort of released that and it was just like a simple like smart contract like deposit eth get zip file you know and uh th- then i sort of continued to experiment with it like i, I became kind of obsessed with it and became really sort of involved with the broader ecosystem and it was i was really uh you know people like to say like literally formed in the bear you know of the 2018 2019 you know like and it was like seeing like teams like audius and, and other people especially in DeFi uh continue to build and like develop these really interesting products and and i i stayed kind of obsessed with it and and started to build my own little project as well. So I I felt like at the time I was kind of late, but now it's sort of (laughs) like, it seems early.
0: Yeah. (laughs) We're still, we're still early. I hope (laughs) for the sake of my uh, family, (laughs) please, please be, (laughs) please be early. I mean, you, it's interesting, you know, it's weird to see all of these weird worlds connect and it really shows the interdisciplinary, nature of crypto that's the thesis we have at the block you know started out as a publication kind of covering mostly financial markets but it's so wide-ranging and even the show you know the first guest we had on and I think this speaks to this was the head of the DTCC which Mm -hmm. is the uh, effectively the the pipes and plumbing of Wall Street right they Mm kind of are the settlement layer of traditional finance And since then, we've had a number of DJs, creators. We had um, the simp to earn folks on. And (laughs) it just shows the sort of dynamic nature of crypto, right? You were one of the first to release a a full album on on Ethereum blockchain. Mm -hmm. And that sort of corner of the space, I think isn't paid attention to enough. Um, to some extent, I think, Renil, you're, you're correct that there is a bit more of a stickiness to the creative side of this world, to the art and music side, even as token price go down, right? You've seen crypto tokens under pressure from the potential ire of regulators. You've got Tiffany's doing some weird, you know, Pendant thing with the crypto punks. You've had Gucci today announce that they're going to accept ApeCoin. I mean, and I was talking with a, a source at Ledger who was telling me about all these different, um, you know, luxury brands that are going to onboard with them to do various NFT stuff. So it it seems like there is a bit more momentum there because it's it is less driven by price. It's trying to create products and platforms that effectively you know to use Bain's word give the power to the people or the artists the creators or the illustrators or whatever have you but in any case when we think about what what's to come next what are some of your predictions for what the future of this corner of the market has in you know in the near term and then for audience you know specifically
1: I'll start with Audius and uh, Andre. I think you're you're better positioned to talk about uh, uh, you know the the kind of music crypto intersection a, as a whole. But yeah, I think it's there, there's something really special happening right now across the the space. I mean, just the the uh, level of proliferation of. Different use cases at that intersection of music and crypto, and the composability um, between them, and the way people are, are kind of assembling these different tools together. To again, at the end of the day, it's all about providing differentiated experiences to to fans that like give them new ways, financial and otherwise, to to engage with you as a creator, right? And yeah, for for Audius, there's a ton of stuff coming up, but the big focus for our community this year is on monetization. So. Audience to date, I think has been a great place to build an audience and to understand that audience. It's been an okay place to monetize them, but not a great one. And, uh, uh that's, that's where our focus over the next year is, uh, is on, on fleshing out features and, and tools that, that give you the ability as, as a creator on audience to charge fans for, for various forms of interaction today. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of, uh, uh, done softly and, and indirectly through, uh, you know, tools to give utility to NFTs that have been issued elsewhere. For example, there are the token economic incentives that, that you mentioned, Frank. But yeah, really excited about these things. The first big feature there to launch a couple of weeks ago was tipping, which we've been excited about, and which Andre's been one of the uh, uh, more <laughs> prolific users of so far as well, which is always, always exciting to see, right? Because um, it's not it's not just a fan to artist. It's also cool to see uh, that kind of artist-to-artist interaction start start to happen because well.
2: there's a there's a top 10 you want to be in the top 10 you know so it's like this other kind of like online bragging kind of yeah. <laughs> element to it
1: yeah yeah my one uh hope or, or ask i could make coming out of the podcast is uh if there's a way we can get the uh podcast on audius you know andre and i <laughs> will both be in that in that top 10 supporters for sure we'll, <laughs> we'll make sure of it and uh yeah uh jokes aside though um it's it's been really really awesome to see the reception to to that feature and feature set and it's not easy to use right now right they really the the primary source of Audius tokens that folks are using to tip right now are through rewards that they've earned because there aren't kind of on-ramp setup and, and things like this so so yeah i'm perhaps giving a bit away there but yeah there's there's some obvious things to come and then uh Further out, I think some, some less obvious things to come. We're really excited to give creators on Audius capabilities around kind of once you have and, and can identify those super fans, which, which you can do right now, offering them a materially different experience to engage with you through. So things like fan clubs and, and dynamics of, of that nature.
2: I'll sort of talk about maybe the broader ecosystem a little bit because I, I feel like Audius is, is definitely like a part of that, but the, mm-hmm. in Audius in many ways tr- is trying to be, I don't think I'm speaking out of lines trying to be maybe the main hub for a lot of this, especially m- like music NFT stuff, but it, it's important to acknowledge that it's, it's like uh, compatibility across the board with all the other sort of ideas and things that are floating around. So, and that's, that to me is like really one of the, more appealing things about crypto in general it's not just the financial side of it but it's the sort of shared infrastructure and like for example like uh, i think audius maybe uses its own splits smart contract but you know there's ox splits which is especially on the ethereum blockchain is a pretty common protocol that's basically just like designed to split payments like it's so simple but um you know it's something that's done on chain that's shared by multiple different platforms so it's sort of like once you build like a, a little lego you know people like to use that term a lot with DeFi, but you use that lego and you can apply it to all these other different things and create these sort of systems or this like kind of patchwork of uh of like utility or functionality to eventually build something better than, than what we currently have so you know that, that's kind of where I see a lot of this going I, I think like music and, and and crypto music nfts and like all everything that's sort of happening is is very much like in its earliest phases you know we're very much like just throwing stuff at the wall seeing what sticks what what works. I've personally tried every different format of nft and music thing at this point. I've tried one of ones uh, I've had success with that we went from breaking records on super rare to like Christie's <laughs> and, but we've also done like more collectible stuff on sounds.xyz is another platform. And like, again, like all those NFTs are on chain, so you can, you can pull it up on your Audius profile. Like it's all interconnected and it's all compatible. And like that to me, it, especially historically, if you look at technology, that's what wins you know the the compatibility across the board like that's what ultimately wins is like an open ecosystem and it's not spotify that's their little walled garden and you know so so like that that's sort of a belief that i have i mean and but like i think we're, we're still so early in kind of like figuring out what the right model and like what the right amount of nfts or if you're even if NFTs are even the right thing to do. So I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's really all over the place and it's like highly experimental, but for me, like for somebody like me, this is like my happy place. It's what I love doing. I love trying different things and and experimenting and sort of even trying to sort of imbue uh, an artistic expression in the way you release it and play around with it. So it's all, uh, it's, it's part of the toolkit, you know, that's, that's how I think about it.
0: Yeah. It's just another bow in your quiver. This was a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much for joining the show, stopping by and chatting with us today about a wide range of issues and, of course, the project itself. Where can our listeners learn more about you and what you guys are working on together at Audius?
1: Yeah, best place to keep up with Audius is our uh, Twitter. It's just Audius Project is the handle. If you want to get involved, Discord's really the best place to do that. There's no no shortage of things to do in this community and, and work to be done. So uh, always, always looking to have folks hop in and, and join and would also encourage you all to go follow uh, RAC on, on Audius and on other platforms as well. Yeah, uh, Andre. I don't know where else where else should folks follow you.
2: What what I'm going to encourage people is actually to create uh, an Audius plugin for the new Winamp that just came out. Because mm-hmm. uh, I I think uh, I think they have plugin support. So if you can patch those in, I, I would really love to listen to Audius on Winamp. No, but uh, yeah. So um, just like slash rac on pretty much every platform. Um, do you know how hard it is to get that? It is so hard. It is the, I, I feel like it, it's actually led me to, to join platforms early because I want to get the username, which uh, has actually been really helpful in my life, but <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of a hassle. So for those in the UK and Australia, RAC is your AAA. It's like you're, you're, if you're broken down on the side of the road, you call RAC. So I get a lot of tweets from people stuck on the side of the road and <laughs> the I don't know. I,
0: well, it's also a renaissance center yeah, too. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah. So,
0: you've got you've got some infringement that you need to, you need to work on. I have a trademark.
2: I have the trademark for music, so <laughs> I'm I'm good, but uh yeah. No, I, the the only other thing I'd say is like uh, check out rac.fm. It's sort of like a uh, a web3 enabled little website that I created. It's pretty fun. It looks like a little uh OS. We call it RACOS. So check it out.
0: We will. We will. Guys, thanks so much. Thank you for having us, man. This was awesome.
2: Yeah, thank you so much.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back with you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day.